Hello and welcome to the 91st roundup of the PPC Chat Twitter discussion that happens on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. GMT. I'm your host, Anu. I'm the founder of MindSwan, a company through which I aim to share my ideas about paid search, especially automation, um, paid media, and my passion for doing digital reporting well um, through a tool that's pretty much on everybody's laptop. By now, it's Microsoft Excel. So yeah, if you want a free consultancy about what I can do for you in regards to paid media, implementing scripts, or even cutting your spend on your data analysis tool, just send me a message at hello at mindswan.com or get to me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram with the handle mindswanppc. So this week we have Julie Bicini again um, leading us um, and um, on a very hilarious topic, I feel, which is um, PBC audits. And the way she has described it is um, we're going to talk about PBC audits, how to do them, what to look for, crazy stuff you've seen. Because, yeah, we hear some crazy things that have been seen that makes me think, how did these guys, um, yeah, do paid search before this? And how do people think it's, you know, so hard to figure out? <laughs> There's some basic things that have been found. But anyway, we'll get into that <laughs> in a minute. So, um, yeah, go. Going on straight into our first question, um, yeah, Julie goes, I have a feeling you're going to have lots to share today, so let's get started. Do you regularly perform audits in your PPC work? If so, what do you most frequently audit? Um, going on with um, giving our first answer is Robert Brady saying, um, depends on how you define audit, but I'm auditing search term reports weekly. Most accounts, such a mess with close variant matching. So yeah, that's, that's true. I think the, the conversation is mostly about, you know, just audits as a, as a whole in terms of like, yeah, settings and what type of match types is being used and structure, things like that. But yeah, I think auditing search term reports and um, what has been added is also a very important one that we should put on the list. Um, yeah, and Julia Vice then replies to question one saying, um, yes, usually it's on account takeover, but it's also when Google makes a major change, RIP exact match, that you have to audit your whole strategy. Yeah, that's very true. Um, we've got um, Julia saying, I've been doing a ton of Google audits lately, lots of Google ads and some with the Facebook and other channels in the mix too. Scott Wright replies, audits are regularly a regular occurrence in the sales process and as a paid service, I'd say at least someone in the office is doing an audit every week. Also cross-audit internally quarterly, Google Shopping and search campaigns. Colin Slattery then replies question one saying, I'd say I do an audit every time. It's part of the handover process of any account that's up and running. Most often we'll be doing some of the audit prior to the handoff to include changes in the proposal. Yes, so before I even do a proposal, I always ask can I get read-only access to the account so that in my proposal, I already bring things to light that would like to change, you know, from the get-go. Mike Lewis replies to question one saying, I'm always looking to update, add, copy, make sure I'm bidding enough on keywords and make sure I'm using the right bidding strategies just to name a few. Um, and then, yeah, Mike Crimmins replies saying, I do monthly and quarterly audits, but my favorites are when I take on new accounts. I'm looking for money wastes that often don't get seen in um, data management, day-to-day -day management of an account. Um, we've got Michael Fleming replying, we strictly do audits during the sales process as a conversation piece for sales meeting um strictly though michael michael i'd say that that's something that it would be good to do more often um and even giving my answer there yeah definitely something that i like doing like on a monthly basis or like a thoroughly a thorough 
whole audit, but you know, there's there are all these different like automation tools that different agencies use, different clients use that allows you to on a daily basis just see things that you know that sh- that should be watched out for. That's pretty much a daily audit that that picks up things like let's say you know CPCs is a bit too high, you know, negative keyword conflicts, um, you know, other things like you know like budgets and structures of like. Um, what you call it, broad match match type. So those kind of things. There are loads of like automation platforms that have been created um, that can be done. Um, um, the, yeah, automated platforms can, that can be done to do a regular automation, regular audits, even regular automation audits, even. Anyway, so John Kagan then replies to question one saying, on average for current or internal work, I perform one quarterly, typically when there is a staffing change or any underperforming account in addition, one is always done for new business pitches. Jordan Stark replies saying, I feel like the most common audits are Google and Facebook accounts focused on structure and best practice. Uh, Michael Fleming replies, but we only do them if they're asked for and they are super high level unless paid for. So yeah, definitely part of the payment structure. So, you know, it's not something that you just do for free and something that you you mentioned that, yeah, it's done either monthly or even quarterly, I'd say it could be fine depending on how um, yeah small the accounts are. Um, when it's huge accounts, I'd say do it more regularly. Emma Franks replies, yes, more often during agency work, lots of onboarding, periodic QA, etc. But I also think it's a great way to find opportunities for existing accounts or campaigns. I try to look at everything from setting to structure to performance by asset, keyword, ad, audience. Um, and then, yeah, we've got John and Star continuing his answer to question one, saying we perform quarterly audits on internal accounts, and we also do a lot of audits for sales. And Jennifer Lash replies, I audit regularly for existing accounts and as an onboarding activity for new accounts. So, um, yeah, we'll just go on to, like, our next questions, uh, because, yeah, the, the general consensus is people do audits. Audits are important, whether it's for onboarding a new client or just something that you do as part of your process on either a quarterly or monthly basis. Julie Puccini then goes on to question two, saying, what do you find most clients expect from an audit? Is there a gap between what they want and what can be delivered? Um, and then, yeah, it, um, Julia Vice handle, it rhymes with eyes, <laughs> going, goes, yes, and also they don't know. Many clients expect an audit as due diligence when we take over an account and provide recommendations. But every so often, we get someone who wants us to just show up and fix everything, which is near impossible. And uh, she continues saying they expect recommendation actions and ideas but they also often expect us to wave a magic wand or challenge a platform or something vague and just make it better somehow. Uh, Michael Fleming replies to question two saying, if complimentary, just a high-level demonstration of what they're doing wrong and how we have the knowledge or skill to fix it. Michael Crimmins replies, so going, most of the audits I do are for internal purposes make sure that there is nothing going afoul or looking for ways to improve performance. A handful were part of the sales process. Colin Slattery replies going, um, I don't really think, I don't really know if they have expectation, mostly because I'm never really selling it as an audit. I always treat it as part of my discovery and due diligence into accounts performance. Haven't sold an account audit as a deliverable before. Yeah, I think that's quite a hard one to sell. But um, yeah, it depends on how, you know, how you're starting up your um organization or freelancing consultancy so yeah it's definitely something that can be charged for um and then yeah emma franks replies to um 
to Julia, where Julia said, this is interesting in terms of ongoing audits. How do we define audit versus optimization? I get the feeling we each look at it differently. Emma Franks replies, I think of audits as a top to bottom fresh eyes type examination versus looking at one specific section of an account or campaign, which is optimization. Um, so yeah, Michael Fleming goes and saying, we call that QA, but those are just <laughs> words. So yes, whatever way you actually do it, as long as you're doing some, some of auto, or some form of optimization or um, QAing. Mike Lewis replies question two, saying we just look for what's going wrong with the account. Maybe they're spending too much money in some areas that aren't converting. Maybe their landing pages are no good. Could be anything. Scott Wright replies, they want a health check on their accounts. It's like going to the doctors. They want to good and um, they want good and bad news. If there's only good news, that's fine. If there's bad news, sit them down, detail the issues and the next steps to better health. That's a very lovely way of putting it. Um, and then yeah, I've got Julie Bicini going. I find some. Um, I find someone to have a, a second opinion. So I find someone to have a second opinion on what is happening on their behalf. It is a setup, well running well, etc. Um, and then, yeah, we've got, um, yeah, Juliet goes, yeah, in, yeah. when um, Juliet said in terms of ongoing audits, how do we define audits versus optimization? Juliet goes, great question. And, um, yeah, yeah, then Juliet gives us an answer and saying, I'll start with me. An audit is a cold, cold review of structure, ad message, share of voice, and overall investment. Optimization to me are daily, weekly, monthly activities that move us towards the goal we've agreed. So what do you guys think? Is there a difference between auditing and optimization? Which one um, do you think should be done more or less? We've got Jennifer Lash also replying to question two, saying, in my experience, I don't think clients always know what they're looking for in an audit other than recommendation recommendations or to just fix it. Or they have a specific problem in mind they're looking to solve and want a clean-cut magic solution to it. Scott Wright replies to question two, saying, of course, they always want to know if their current diet agency is doing the best for them. Sometimes that diet can just be altered slightly and remain the same. Sometimes you need a new diet. Um, Sam replies to question two, saying, I come at audits from a more financial outcome standpoint. They try to identify root causes. So what are you currently spending? What, Where is it going? What is it doing? And why is that happening, good or bad? Then it's all about what to do next. Um, Ryan Bennion replies to question two, saying, as the client, I'd expect to have a list of things that are just not best practices or things that we might not have caught, which are losing money. Almost a SWOT type analysis. Where are our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats to our accounts plus action items? Um, so yeah, Julie then goes on to question three, saying, do you have a formal process or checklist you use when performing audits? Does it vary by platform? Yes, I mainly audit PPC. I definitely have a checklist of whether we're talking about um, settings. So is this all the settings correct, like search partners settings, like, well, when accelerated or standard, with accelerated, when accelerated rated, delivery was a thing, accelerated versus standard, or, yeah, things like, yeah, location settings, and, yeah, all those things within our settings tabs for campaigns. Um, to, like, ad copy, you know, is ad copy correct? We do have... We, where we implemented spell check on everything um, and yeah, and other stuff and then bidding and then, you know, audience strategies. So yes, all the whole, there's a list of checklists that I do when I'm doing audits, definitely. Um, Julia Vice replies, yes, and yes, this is one of those cases where I don't think bespoke methodologies are a good idea. Better to compare like for like. 
My Crimmins replies going, I use a spreadsheet template to make sure I check all of the different parts of the account every time. Yeah, me too. Jordan Starks replies, in a lot of sales audits, I feel like they want the meat and bone strategy moving forward. However, if we just fork that over, why do they need to work with us? So they end up getting overall checkup and basic best practices. And from there, we pitch a strategy. Um, yeah, and then we've got Michael Fleming replying to question three, saying definitely have templates. We want to spend as little time as possible on them while accomplishing the purpose. Colin Slattery replies, one of the next steps for me in terms of uh, systemizing the company is putting together actual checklists like this. I typically typically look at the same things, ads, keywords, conversion, performance, quality score, budget allocation, overall structure, etc. but it's not written down. Ooh, Colin, definitely write that down. A nice Excel spreadsheet will really help you with that. <laughs> um, Julie then gives her answer to question three, saying, I have a list of things I look at for sure, and it does vary by platform, but the general purpose is the same. Find things that are either glaringly wrong or that could benefit from some modification or testing. And in reply to question three, we've got Daniel Vardy going for a full audit. We have a formalized checklist for search, shopping, paid social, and display with our best practices. Once a year, we review those best practices to see if they need an adjustment of score, add, or remove questions. Um, and then, yeah, going on to with more answers to question three, we've got Jordan Stark going, we have a formal rubric that I came up with that rates your account on performance, structure, and technical aspects. Um, but for potential clients, it's up to the person doing the audit. Um, and then, yeah, in reply to question three as well, Scott Wright goes, um, internal auditing, we have a 30, 60, 90 day checklist for our own accounts and an audit checklist for auditing others internally. Our, our formal process is dependent on requirement, but we follow most of the internal structure, different per platform and campaign type. And then we've got um, Julie giving us um, the question, question four even, um, saying, are there things you tend to find frequently when auditing Google Ads accounts? Um, and in reply to that, we've got um, John Kagan saying, setting mistakes, broken automated rules, match type misalignment, and a treasure trove of issues on SQR and or YouTube GDN ad placement triggers. Um, Garrett McGregor replies to question three, going, um, don't you just need to follow Google's recommendations, add them all, get a good score, and you're good, no audit ever needed. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I've mistakenly in my heyday just taken recommendations from Google and seen that that was not the right thing to do for my client. Um, Amit Kaba replies to question three saying, yep, I created a document a little while back that I use to make sure I don't miss anything because more of the audits I do, I Google. It's not, it's just for Google. I've been thinking about creating a Facebook IG one, but haven't gone around to it yet. That'll be very useful for us. Um, and then we've got Julia Vice replying to question four saying, weird bit strategies and tracking issues. Usually it's not wrongdoing. It's daily or weekly tactical changes that aren't apparent and major tracking issues that no one found. And then we've got um, Carl Schertz replying to question four, um, saying, hoping in a little late today, hopping in a little late today, but I'm shocked how often I find accounts running broad match only keywords and their um, and their brand versus non-brand mapping is just a cluster. Yeah, well, those, 
That's what I call a quick win. Um, Michael Thurman replies to question four saying, pretty much always see a lack of fundamentals, bad keyword matching, suboptimal bidding and budget use, cookie cutter ads. Um, and then, yeah, we've got Julie Bicini going bad geotargeting, few or no negative keywords, dreadful ad copy and terrible landing pages or the same landing pages for everything. Yes, I've had that experience too. Scott Wright replies going shopping campaigns, not segmented all products in one ad, ad group and campaign all keyword match types in a single ad group. No ad copy testing, no audience bid adjustments, infrequent or little negatives added, set and forget campaigns. Yes, sure, we've all seen those types as well. Daniel Vardy replies to question four saying it depends on who is running the account, agency or in-house. The glaring stuff almost always boil down to structure or you can tell when someone doesn't have time to work on the account when they only do the basic stuff. And then Mike Crimmins replies to question four saying what all of you said, geotargeting the whole world, negative keywords not being done, keywords that spend a lot but never convert, etc. Jordan Stark replies, targeting people who are in or interested in your location. Similar keywords spread, spread through a bunch of different campaigns. Um, ads with two headlines and one descriptions, little to no extensions, ineffective shared budgets to name a few. Colin Slattery then replies to question four saying, see lots of terrible ads, lots of ad groups where everything is just lumped together. Saw an account recently for a big company where they had hundreds of random keywords all just lumped together in one ad group. Interesting. Um, Sam replies to question four saying, I'd say it varies by the type of um, entity currently doing the work, a large agency, lack of cost or return transparency, little to no alignment across platforms or to organizational KPIs, antiquated structures, limited controls plus segmentation or poor creative. Um, and then we've got um, Daniel Vardy replying to question four, saying not testing ad copy for a long period of time, having keywords, ad groups that spent a lot of a long time and didn't provide any value. Um, and then Julie continues uh, to question five, saying, are there things you tend to find frequently when auditing Facebook accounts? Uh, reply to that, Julie Vice replies, um, lots. The organic team and paid team share their accounts. So naming convention agreed on tracking, overlapping audiences and all kinds of silliness. Um, audience overlap is a major one to one though please please exclude your audiences from each other when testing um and then i think this is in reply to yeah question four we've got um sam continuing with his answer going um be in-house falls into either everything is broken because no one knows what they're doing plus they're way too busy to manage it um good structure and management reasonable alignment but there's meat left on the bone from an optimization or scaling standpoint c small agency these can either be the best or the worst at worst, it's like the big agency on steroids because they've contracted out to loads of vendors, all of whom are taking a cut and none of whom actually care. At best, they're diligent, plus doing an overall solid job. And then in reply to question four, we've got Mead going, um, oh gosh, bad ads, geotargeting that targeted, targeted a larger area than necessarily, not actively adding to the negative keyword list, not managing bids when the account isn't manual, etc. 
Anna Blanken replies to question four, saying, I see far too much broad match only accounts. Funny story, though. Just worked on a restructure where um, client said broad match was outperforming the new keyword structure. So I guess there's still hope for broad match only accounts. Ah, oh, that really depresses me. Um, and then we've got um, a more digital also replying to question four, saying, I frequently see too many keywords per ad group and ads that are using the old format. Another common theme is accounts that don't split out exact match and broad match, meaning less efficient spend all over. And yeah, yeah, that means also really poor conversion tracking. Jordan Stark replies to question five, saying all campaign objectives are targeting conversions, target conversion purchase. Um, Scott Wright replies to question five, saying I nitpick attribution a lot. Reporting on one day view DPA conversion is a personal gripe as it's an easy win. But seen above, when someone puts retargeting audiences into prospecting campaigns to bump their numbers, that's trash. Um, and then, yeah, we've got um, Kyle Schertz replying to question five, saying every campaign set to conversion objective, no real in-depth remarketing, remarketing strategy and terrible creators. Um, Julie Bicini replies to question five, saying Facebook shows poor creative a lot and frequencies that are cringe-inducing. Also tagging. If you have to have def- decent data about Facebook in Google Analytics, you have to tag your links. Scott Wright replies, in general, no, not enough creative testing, not excluding retargeting audiences from prospecting and just stagnant campaigns with little to no changes from launch. Disregarding current best practices, those are the most common. And then going on to question six, um, yeah, Julie goes, this is my favorite question of today's chat. And I think it would mind too. What is the craziest thing, craziest thing you found during an account audit. I think some some crazy stuff has been shared, but I think we get a few more from this answers. Um, Carl Schert starts us off saying, I saw one time an account that had spent 80% on a broad match keyword. Crazy part was all the search terms were for their competitors. They were still hitting goals though. Um, I couldn't believe it. I told them straight up, they need more aggressive goals and a restructure stat. And before we continue with um, our answers for question six, we've got Keith Aldrich giving an answer, a very good answer for question five, saying accounts with small budgets targeting millions of people. If you don't have the budget, tighten up that targeting. Lack of account structure. Most often they create a new campaign for each new ad and making too many changes before learning occurs. So yes, leave the accounts to learn that actually, um, you know, mature with the changes that you've made do not it's it's like what we were saying last week about not worrying about one day you know a missing performance also when you actually make a change do not start making changes like two days later give it a week or two weeks even for it to mature and for you to then start thinking what's actually wrong with that most most importantly leave it till it becomes statistically significant to what you're actually trying to do um, and then, yeah, going on with our answers to question six, Colin Slattery rep- responds, this is a recent one that stands out. Big company, almost all keywords in four ad groups, 8,000 active keywords that had received zero impressions in the last 180 days. Doesn't even include the additional 32K inactive keywords. Wow. Um, and then we've got um, Julia Vice replying to question six again, 
going going back now, I took over an account that had no negative keywords, none. There were quite a few adult themes ooh, that emerged from those SQRs. Yeah, don't do BMM and literally just leave it to not have any negatives. Guys, that's amateur. Anyway, Judy um, then replies to question six, going an account that was built by Google was targeting only one broad one word broad match terms built by google targeting only one word broad match terms and people wonder why i'm always saying google just wants to spend your money and is actually not doing things for according to performance yep and she continues so much waste Jordan Stark replies to question six, saying an account was using some um, default analytics goals as conversions in PPC. When time on site and paid visits is your goals, you get a really stellar conversion rate. Impossible. But amazingly so. Wow. Daniel Vardy replies to question six, saying we had a client providing a card to get lower prices on medication for free. They bid on the most random things like trash bags. Their conversion rate was 25% because it was free and didn't ask them anything except their name email and phone number yeah so even when you have like stupid keywords you could get a good conversion rate when um you've got very like yeah random when every when something is for free people love free number one no matter what it is but then the ctr must have been really poor Scott Wright then replies to a question six saying, recently a lingerie brand who was spending thousands on appearing for tractor-related terms. I've done a few audits in the lingerie and sex toy industry, so things get a bit crazy there. But that's for PPC after dark. Well, it's um, almost seven my time, and it's definitely quite dark, so yeah. That sounds like a conversation that's not too late to have. Um, anyway, Colin Slattery replies to question six, saying this was pretty wild too, had exact match brand terms as a negative keyword in their branded search campaign. Oh, and that reminds me of another fun example. We had um, a client doing like business accounts. So like, let's say business banking accounts, business current accounts. They had business as a negative campaign wide, account wide on, um, yeah, for all the campaigns in the account. So yeah, that was a little bit stupid. That was actually more recent than I actually care to admit as well. Um, anyway, so yeah, Amit Cabra replies to question six saying, oh my God, an account that was all broad match. The client was spending $14,000 a month on that. Naturally, we corrected that. And if I remember correctly, they saw a massive decline in ad spend and a 76% increase in conversions. So yeah, that is the kind of thing that really sets you apart from your competitors. And then we've got um, Julie replying to question six saying, I'm working on a project now for a client buying programmatic through third parties. And one of the third parties actually said in response to a question I had, I had her ask, remember clients on your ads are an added bonus. She actually gives us a picture of the <laughs> actual response. Um, the response goes, remember the clicks on the ad are, are an added bonus. The key to the campaign was to direct traffic directly, directly to competitor's website um, or client's website even, users typically will open a new tab to search for more information instead of clicking on the ad. I hope you saw the increase in web traffic. Wow. Um, and so Sam replies to question six going, um, probably the most obnoxious was a client who had no conversion tracking set. None. The only metrics used were impressions, clicks, plus CTR, and GA was quite literally never checked. Wow. Over 90% plus of the clicks that platforms reported didn't exist. Wow. 
Um, yeah, lots of wow there. <laughs> and this is why I said this is going to be a hilarious chat. Steve Gibson then replies to question six saying, um, I think I'm going to win this question. I once saw the single broad match keyword next day running worldwide. Oh my God, like literally, what's the product even? My, my brain can't think. Um, Steve, Steph Cocker replies to question six saying, hi everyone and happy new year. I have found an annoying amount of misspellings in the ads themselves. Yes, spell checking is a big thing. Um, Emma Franks gives us some pet peeves saying pure broad keywords, really. Remarketing campaigns with audience targeting optimization enabled. Search campaigns with display network enabled. Yes, no, no, no. Max conversion bidding in campaigns with no conversion. And John Kagan replying to question six goes, um, yeah, PBC chat turning this into a case study. Took over a YouTube account from another agency who boasts 70 70 percent um view to rate um client is sports supplements found that 40 percent of the spend went to content targeted to kids no one had ever checked the settings in targeting now they are in big trouble oh that's going to be an interesting read um and then jennifer lash replies all broad match keywords no conversion tracking one campaign and one ad group for everything with two ad variations lovely um, Julie then continues to question seven, saying, if the accounts you're auditing are a total disaster, how do you present that to a client? Honestly, um, you know, hopefully if I've been working on it um, long enough, it's not a total disaster. At that point, yeah, I walk away. Um, but yeah, if it's a total disaster before I take it on, then definitely, um, you know, present that honestly. Um, so Carl Schertz replies, I try to be somewhat tactful, Tactful, but at the same time, we owe it to these businesses to give our expert opinion. So I hit them with a cold, hard truth. Exactly. Julia Vice replies, it depends on the client mood, but generally speaking, I go with there's a lot of opportunity for improvement. Here's what we propose in the next 30, 60, 90 days. Colin Slattery replies, I just ripped the band-aid off. Maybe this is why I suck at sales, but I never deliver it to them straight. But I really deliver it to them straight. Tell them it's a disaster, tell them why it's a disaster, and tell them what's going to what it's going to take to fix it. Sometimes the answer is start over completely. Um, and then Michael Fleming replies to question seven saying, I like to present a potential impact range. Um, if the account is really bad, I might say 100 to 200% improvement in return or whatever number I'm feeling. And then we've got Sam replying to question seven, um, going, I've been told my bedside manner is more like house than it is like a real person. So I usually just do brutally honest. Um, if it's good, I'll tell you. If it's bad, I'll tell you. Yeah, I think that's the way to go. Um, Scott Wright goes, honesty, present the facts. One thing I never do is use a paid audit as a sales pitch. It's a chance for educating education around what is happening, why it's bad, and how it can be fixed. Your expertise sells itself. Julie replies, is going always position it as an opportunity to make things better you don't have to spell out that the current resource didn't or isn't doing a good job the data will communicate that john kagan replied if it's internal be blunt with the team explain what why and how to reveal it's new biz op if it's new biz open up with a light-hearted joke and then proceed with ruining someone's day week month or year um daniel vada replies uh, to question seven saying this one really depends if it's in-house or they have a good relationship with whoever is managing it you don't want to trash it you go good job on this here's what we found that can improve it steve gibson replies depends who set it up and whether if it's whether it's profitable if there are in-house people involved it can get pretty tricky um jennifer lash replies um, positive presentation lots of opportunity for improvement so much room for growth give proposal of what to do moving forward rather than dumping 
on what was done in the past so much. Jordan Sparks replies to um, question seven, saying, I just let them know what my recommendations would be moving forward. Tell them what my priorities will be and what are some short or long-term goals for the future. Courtney replies to question seven, saying, make it about the money. They don't care what it's hard, whether it's they don't care that it's harder to manage for you. They care that it's costing them money. Frame it that way every time. I totally believe in that because I always feel like the biggest thing that clients come to you, um, for especially for for PPC, but even all advertising channels, is spend my money right. So if you tell them how they can save money or spend their money more efficiently, they will love to hear from you. Cameron Karras replies to question seven saying, well, fortunately, the total disasters are generally things we've inherited. I'm not big on pointing figures or making someone look bad. So I generally do that. I see a lot of fat and easy wins here. Yeah quick wins is what I call them um, and then going on to question eight and we have two more questions for the day um, Julie asks if the accounts you're auditing are actually well set up and functioning functioning efficiently how do you present that to the client um, Kyle Schurz replies I like to stick with the same approach and tell them that the account is in good shape my angle is typically here are some ideas for growth or expansion. Um, Julia Vice replies, I compliment them on running a tight ship and pivot. Audits aren't always sales engagements, so I have room to talk about cross-channel growth and bigger business goals. Colin Slattery replies, with the same brutal honesty um, as when it's terrible, I'm really impressed. This is well set up. I think we can squeeze some more performance out of these places and let's talk um, and let's look at growth here, here, and here. So yes, look at the opportunities for growth. Jonathan Stark replies, question 18 i'm upfront about it and give the last team a pat on the back then i suggest experimentation strategies and present them with some ideas that can potentially make their account even better sam replies to question 18 disclaimer this probably makes me zero friends in the biz dev side but i tell exactly that sometimes i have nitpicky things because i'm a perfectionist that i'll mention but i tell them that their current partner is doing and good job and keep on keeping on um, Julie Bacchini replies to question eight saying, if things are well set up and running well, I will absolutely say that. I also add the places where I think there is opportunity. Um, Scott replies to question eight saying, truthfully, if the agency or person running is doing a good job, then the purpose of an audit is to tell them that and not just to focus on mistakes. Hopefully Liam can attest to my honest, <laughs> honesty in audits of healthy accounts. And then going on to our last question, Julie asks, any general advice to share on doing audits and delivering those results to clients? Yeah, do it thoroughly. Make sure you catch everything. It's not the client then coming back and saying that, hey, I know you found all these things, but how about this one big mistake that <laughs> you didn't? fine so make sure your job is thorough and don't rush it um emma franks replies to question eight saying these are the best i'm genuinely excited and tell them things that they are doing really well give credit where credit is due if there's no obvious optimization suggest new tactics features experiments that can help them scale their current success um jennifer lash also replies to question eight saying tell them the account looks in good shape to continue optimization and finding areas of opportunity or growth try to include an idea or two that demonstrates the area of opportunity 
Um, Jill advice then replies to question nine saying, do more for them. Um, do, yeah, do more of them. Build audit muscle and, off, and offer it as a consult product. It's not always going to lead to a big new business, but it will help you get better at noticing improvements you can make in your own work. Mike Crimmins replies to question nine saying, create a repeatable process for your auditing. Don't be like the old me and recreate the wheel every time. Creating that process really helped overall. So yes, make it a very good easy but good process um scott wright replies to nine saying a reiteration an audit isn't a sales pitch it isn't time to nitpick and point score against the incumbent agency be honest be clear educate provide next steps for improvement that anyone can implement not just yourselves yeah very good advice um and then a more digital reply saying yes always 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 talk them through the audit clients aren't experts in paid media they're experts in their business so they might not understand every metric you're putting across it also might highlight that certain things are in place for a reason yeah love that advice as well um emma franks replies to question 19 ikea ikea effect one of the hardest things i've learned in my career just because something is done differently than how i would doesn't mean it's wrong or ineffective approach every audit with an open mind and apply your experience or expertise to improve what's there um, Steve um, Gibson replies to question nine, saying, focus on the big pieces as, that, as that's where the big gains will come from. Be honest with the client about expectations. Praise the existing people if they did good work. The goal is to identify the people you can help not to close every prospect. Um, Ayana Cabra replies to um, question eight, going on the same way we do with bad audits. We tell them what there's to improve and how we're going to do that. Um, and then we've got an answer to question nine from Amit saying, um, I believe in being absolutely frank with clients and presenting them with solutions to the issues we're telling them they have. If you do that, clients tend to understand that you're looking out for them and they're quite amazing about it. Um, Daniel Vada replies to question nine saying, Deliver the results as quickly as you can. Use scripts, tools, ready-made formats. Yay, I love that shout-out for scripts. Um, Kyle Schertz replies to question nine, saying, give a why to your recommendations. Backing it up with case studies has increased our closed 1% big time. Backing up with case studies, love that. Um, Keith um, Aldrich replies to question 18, I've yet to audit an account where I can't provide at least a few suggestions all improvements, um, but I've had a couple where I flat out told the client, whoever's running this is doing a great job and you should keep them. So yes, it's all about positive feedback. That's always good as well. Um, Push Media, Push Mena replies to question nine, um, saying, don't be shy, dig deep, numbers don't lie. Help the client to um, understand the data in their accounts and be understanding. Depends on the client, but generally being open and honest pays off. Um, John Kagan replies to question nine saying, um, don't show the issue without showing its impact and how to resolve. Um, Keith Aldridge replies to question nine saying, generally when clients come to you for an audit, they are already aware things could be doing better. So my advice is always focus on what improvements can be made rather than focusing on what's wrong with the accounts. Yeah. And if you're going to bring out what's wrong with the account, make sure you tie up tight up with what you can do to improve the account so yeah that was a very lovely um adviceful chat i feel um loads of advice given and yeah i think we might go over time our my usual half an hour um 
round up, but I feel like this was all those answers I gave was very useful and things that we could really implement in, you know, dealing with clients, dealing with audits and, you know, just being very positive and improving of um, the audits that we see. So, yeah, I hope you don't get find any scary audits or maybe it'll be good if you find some scary audits because that may, might mean that you win new business. <laughs> so which one are you looking out for? Yeah, are you hoping to see um, an audit where you can find make loads of changes to or would you just rather an audit that where, um, you know, loads of things are doing well and you can just continue your BAU work? Anyway, let us know. So I hope you found this talk useful and you've taken some great takeaways. And um, if you want to chat about this topic or any paid media or data analysis solutions, do get in, uh, get in touch with me by sending me an email at hello at mindswan.com because I do do audits and I've got like a specialized system for it so we can talk about that so remember for your campaigns and businesses to glide smoothly there's a lot of hard work needed beneath the surface so keep your swans kicking bye